a man waiting for the bus falls into a world of horror, a man uses a bizarre toolkit to enact revenge against his killers. And then, you guys have been waiting for it all week, I keep postponing it, we travel to San Francisco to meet a film director who decides to lay the perfect trap for the Zodiac Killer. All he needs is five men, a walk-in freezer, and a movie starring the Zodiac Killer. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I'm a little hungover because I was watching the election all night. You guys who are longtime listeners of the show know I'm a huge political junkie. It's like elections are like my World Series slash Super Bowl slash curling championship. Um, Basically, anything, anything other than an election is like an election to me. I love politics. I love the art of campaigning and all that stuff. It's one of the very few times that I actually drink. And last night I drank. It went on forever. It's not decided at this point. I also ate a bunch of pizza. Both of those things combined. You're like, Jason, I do that every day. Why are you complaining about this? My body is now probably 30% marinara. Probably another 20%. I had two beers, okay? Let's be honest. I had two Budweiser's and I'm all... But that's, I'm just a lightweight when it comes to alcohol. And apparently also when it comes to Domino's pizza. Um, but anyways, the only reason why I'm explaining that now, because I'll probably be a little more surly this episode. I'm still feeling the effects of all that stuff. I'm just like, ugh. That's a good, that's a good product placement for Budweiser and Domino's, right? They're like, ugh. Makes you feel like you're sweating out pure chemicals. But you know what doesn't make me sweat? Our newest Patreon supporter. You like that segue? Our newest Patreon supporter, Rage Cat. Everyone give Rage Cat a round of applause. Scratch him behind the ears. Rub his little belly. You're like, dude, I support the Patreon. I never got my belly rubbed. Well, maybe we'll rub your belly at some point. But Rage Cat is going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. So Rage Cat, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the Jason Jalopy. First off, very, very short story. We're headed out to New York City. After I made that sound effect, I took a nap. I took a nap for two hours. Three hours. Uh, but I'm feeling a little more energetic now. So we got Rage Cat driving us out to New York City. This first story is actually pretty short. But I want to. I want you to put yourself in this situation. So we are in New York City. You're like, dude, I'd never go to New York City. But for this story, you don't have a choice. You're there anyways. It's October 28th, 2020. Very, very recent story. You're standing there waiting for the bus, and you see me and Rage Cat walking down the street towards you, and then we stop a safe distance away, kind of waving to you. You're like, what? That's kind of weird. And then you take a step towards us, and then you disappear. Now, it's not a time warp. It's not Mandela effect, nothing like that. It is the enemy to all mankind, whether we want to believe it or not. It's the sinkhole. (laughs) You fall down into a pit, 15 feet deep, and on impact, break your leg. You're like, why am I listening to this podcast? This is horrible. You're in a pitch dark pit. 
Previously, you were standing up on the street in New York City. Don't know which one's more dangerous, but you're in the pit. Ah, oh, my leg. Oh. And not only do you have a broken leg as you were falling, you broke your arm too. Ah, ah, and you're screaming out in darkness. Now there's a beam of light coming down from the hole that you made, and you see people looking down, trying to figure out a way to help you. And that's when you begin to scream out for help, but you very quickly keep your mouth shut as a giant rat crawls onto your shoulder. And then another one scurries across your leg, and then a third is sliding up under your shirt. (laughs) They're crawling all over your skin. They're everywhere. You can't even cry out for help because one of them may crawl into your mouth. This actually really happened to a guy named Leonard Shoulders the other day. Exact same story I just told you. Fell down, broke his arm, broke his leg. I spared you this fate. As he was falling through the concrete, there was a, you know, because it just like a hole opened up. It wasn't like a perfect Looney Tune hole that he could go through. It's jagged concrete. So part of the concrete scraped away a chunk of his face. He falls 15 feet into this hole. It's covered in rats. And he said that he wanted to yell out for help, but he didn't because he felt they were going to crawl into his mouth. These huge rats were swarming this abandoned basement that was rotting away underneath the city street. He was down there for 30 minutes. He was down there for a half hour before authorities could rescue him. I understand that from a logical sense. It's not safe. The firefighters aren't like, hey, come over here, everyone, and they run over to the hole, and then they all fall in and break their arms and legs. I'm actually surprised that no one else fell in. His mom was standing next to him, apparently, when he fell in. But I don't know why that's an added detail. It's not like she made the hole, or did she? But I mean, like, there were people standing around. You can actually watch video. Video will be in the show notes of this happening. And you see everyone just kind of checking their phone. There's a delivery man making a delivery. And then, dook! Like, (laughs) just... First off, when he falls, he braces himself. But I think that might have actually been his downside. Because one of his legs is, like, bent up. He's holding onto the ground. And he's only able to hold himself up for, like, two or three seconds. If that. And then falls 15 feet. And he fell on the leg that wasn't folded against his clavicle. So it's not a good landing. He sat down there for a half hour. There's It's just a compounded, terrible story. Falling into a hole sucks. Falling into a hole full of rats sucks even more. Breaking limbs. Can't even really fight him off at that point. What are you doing? Shrugging him? Ah, ah, take that. Take that slight movement, you rat. And then being down there for a half hour as the rats continue to scurry around. Now, they've actually shut down this part of New York. They shut down like three buildings on this block until they get the basement fixed. So, (laughs) if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for a job and you're in the New York area, maybe you can go down there and get a job as a professional basement fixer slash rat avoider. I wanted to cover that story for a couple different reasons. One, it's absolutely terrifying. Two, there's a video of it. There's That's a great combination. The other reason why I wanted to cover it, and I don't remember if I saw this on X. I think I did. I might have seen it on Reddit. I just read so much stuff, but I don't remember exactly where it came from. Someone put out this theory that what if, not all of them, I'm not going to say all of them, but what if an amount, well, let's just throw out there, 10%, 10% of missing kids are falling into the sewer. This, the person laid this scenario out pretty interesting. This kind of makes sense. It's really easy to fall into the sewer. I mean, it's not... <laughs> they're kind of designed not to fall into, but people do fall into them. 
sewers and waterways and things like that. You fall into the you're out playing in the neighborhood. Everyone's like, hey, look at there's a little Billy running down the street, and then Billy rounds the corner and he's never seen again. It's not a super common story, but it happens enough to creep us out. Everyone's looking for the kid, they never find him. Suspect may get arrested, and then it turns out that he was killed, which is a horrible ending, obviously. Most of the time the kids are found. Most of the time it's a runaway situation or they're just lost. Statistically, they're found. But in the horrible cases where they're not found and there's no suspect, and there's no arrest, this poster said, what if they're falling into our water systems? And you go, well, Jason, I'm sure you would find the body within at least the maintenance schedule of a sewer. They don't just build them, and they're like, it's the alligator's problem now, boys. (laughs) Let's leave and hope everything goes fine. There's constantly workers down there, but if it's a sewer system or a storm drain system, that has enough flow of water in it, in be- either during the time of their disappearance or in between the maintenance schedule, the body's gone. The body's absolutely gone. Case in point, there was a woman... Hey, let me pull my notes up real quick. You can tell I'm super prepared for this one. Now, this is an extreme circumstance because this took place during a storm, but on July 6, 2020, in Passaic, New Jersey, this was over by the Dairy Queen on High Street in Benson Avenue. <laughs> if you want to go there, if you want to reenact this event, a young woman named Nathalia Bruno, 24 years old. She was a DoorDash driver. She was trying to make a delivery during this massive storm. And a flood hits, a flash flood hits. And her car gets lifted up by the water and is floating down the street. Everyone's seeing what's going on. And it's headed towards a giant, like, storm drain entrance. It's like like this tunnel that's perfectly car-sized for her car. The water's carrying her away. She's getting pulled into the tunnel. And she has to make an executive decision really, really quick. Do I stay in the car and hope that it provides me some sort of protection? Or do I get out and swim? Now, anyone who knows anything about physics knows (laughs) that neither is optimal. Neither is a great option. And people are standing there in their houses, in their warm and cozy houses. And they're seeing this car go into this storm drain. And they see Nathalia jump out. And then the car gets sucked into the storm drain. And she gets sucked into the storm drain, too. They're immediately calling 911. They didn't wait until that. (laughs) Once they saw the car floating, some guy's like, Oh no, my Taco Bell! She's supposed to deliver it to me! Car's going into the sewer. As the fire department is getting these phone calls to get out there, they're rushing out to the scene. Nathalia has already been sucked into the storm drain. Before they even get to the location, there's a bunch of other 911 calls from a mile away. Because people were sitting in their warm, cozy houses. And, you know, just enjoying the view, enjoying the storm drain view of New Jersey. People are looking out their windows, and they see a woman. Woo! Shoot out of a storm drain, as if she was going down a water slide. Crashes into this rapidly growing reservoir river. And she's swimming, and then she crossed the land, and then she just kind of collapses. What had happened was she got, she survived. She got sucked into the storm drain, and she basically, within 30 seconds, ends up a mile away. (laughs) Whoa, totally tubular, dude! She's all swimming. Actually, she wasn't swimming. She's been sucked along by water going 30 miles an hour. It takes her from that main storm drain and deposits her in that river. Had she at any point, she had no control over which way she was going. At any point, if the water had zigged instead of zagged, She would have ended up stuck underwater, 
drowning in the darkness of a sewer. Instead, in some bizarre, like, Dragon's Lair-like choose-your-own-adventure, the lights are flashing. The water made every perfect choice to lead her to safety. Because they had all these other inlets in there. Her car, they show a photo of the car, was completely crushed. There's a photo looking down a manhole at her little Datsun or whatever it was smashed to pieces and it was wedged into the storm drain. I have no idea how they're going to get it out. They're just going to have to like cut it out, (laughs) cut it out piece by piece, lift it out of the manhole and then reconstruct the car. She did end up making the right choice. If though the water at any point had tried to put her down one of those side areas, she would have been dead. It would have been a tragedy, but instead she had a really, (laughs) she had a really fun time, right? Wee! But imagine now this happening People aren't viewing it. It's a kid falls into a storm drain and is then drowned. This is dark. This is super dark. But a kid falls into a storm drain and gets washed away and ends up in a reservoir somewhere or deposited into a river and is never seen again. Eaten by crawdads. Okay. I think I have limited my amount of morbidity on this episode. But you know what I mean? I thought that was an interesting theory that you could have a, not a lot, maybe I said what, 5%, 10%, Jamie, pull pull up what I just said a couple minutes ago. Maybe 2%, maybe 1%, but maybe enough that uh, these kids that go missing, especially younger kids, maybe they're falling into storm drains and getting washed away. They're not going to the water reclamation plant. They're not going somewhere into the sewer where they could eventually be found. They're being deposited in the waterways that lead off into the rivers and the lakes and the oceans, never to be seen again. (laughs) Sorry, that took a dark turn. You're like, ooh, rats? That's cool. I'm not afraid of rats. And then we end up talking about that. Rage Cat, call in that dead rabbit dirigible. We're leaving behind New Jersey. We're headed out to Pompano Beach, Florida. Dead Rabbit Dirigible flying over the eastern seaboard. This is a really weird one. I actually came across this one today. But it happened about a month ago. It's October 18th, 2020. And we're standing outside our new job. We now work at Waste Pro. We are professional garbage men. Or garbage people, I guess is they're called today. Although that makes them sound like some sort of cryptid. But we are now professional garbage people. It's October 18th, 2020. It's 2.15 a.m. There's video footage again of this. A man walks up to the front gate of the Waste Pro parking lot. So we have a building that is where all the garbage people work. Oscar the Grouch is the boss. It's super smelly. There's banana peels everywhere. And then they have this parking lot that's full of their garbage trucks. And a man walks up to the gate that's holding the garbage trucks. And he's standing there. This man is wearing goggles. And he's dressed as trash. He's he's disguised as trash. Specifically, they said he has a suit made of garbage bags. But we'll put a pin in that because I have a theory about that. He gets to the front gate. There's many ways to get into a sealed location. You can cut the lock. You can pick the lock. You can have a key. You can blow it up if you're adventurous. This guy does something that I've never seen before. He sets the gate on fire. And I apparently the gate apparently the gate was made of coal. 
because it burns. He sets it on fire. It's so hot. I guess he melted the lock or something like that. He opens the gate, flames still flickering where a lock once sat. He begins walking into the parking lot and setting garbage trucks on fire. They're going up in flames. There was actually at least one explosion when he was doing this thing. There are residents who had their windows shattered. It's 2.15 in the morning. You're worried about gray aliens coming in your house or something like that. You're worried about your missing kid. He's been gone ever since that storm. And then all of a sudden, glass comes shooting in. Oh, what is it now? You see a fire. Several fires from the Waste Pro location. Then he kicks in the door of the Waste Pro building, pulls out a bottle of liquid, sets it on the ground, and sets the building itself on fire. At that point, this garbage-shaped man gets into a black sedan. I know, it kind of ruins the mystique, right? Like, you were just kind of hoping he had, like, the garbage mobile or something like that. No, it's just like a Chevy. He goes and he gets in his black sedan. Drives away. There's no word on whether or not as he peeled away his tires left fire marks, but, you know, you can always hope so. Apparently, and Tad, another bizarre twist, there was also a white SUV that the police are looking for because they think it may have been a lookout. So the police are looking for two vehicles, a black sedan. Probably smells like garbage. Probably a good tip. What I find interesting about this story, other than every single part of it, I didn't know you could open a gate through fire. What if... Let's put on our conspiracy caps here. (laughs) Let's put on our conspiracy caps here for a second. What if this man is some sort of garbage... I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Well, conspiracy caps on. I'm not saying this is true, but this is what I thought when I finished reading this article. You may be thinking it as well. What if this man is like garbage incarnate? What if if this man is a garbage vengeance spirit? And for 10,000, no, 100,000 years from the first time that a caveman ate a banana and looked at the peel and goes, what's this for? And throws it on the ground. Or a little kid unwraps a toy. A little, little caveman unwraps a toy. They invent wrapping paper. And they invent paper first. And he unwraps a rock. And he's like, oh, awesome. This is what I always wanted. And then throws the new invention wrapping paper on the ground. The garbage spirit standing there in the shadows. And he's slowly collecting all this refuse to become sentient. And he, he waited all this time. This is his first strike against humanity. Setting garbage trucks on fire. I do find it really weird. Like, if I was going to break into a toy store, I wouldn't dress up as a giant teddy bear. Although they should, actually. Maybe maybe this guy is a garbage vengeance spirit. Maybe he's just ahead of the curve. Maybe someday you'll be sitting in a bank, getting ready to deposit a check, and a giant money bag runs in with an AK-47. Give me all your me. And everyone's like, what? That's super confusing. He's like, I'm money. Give me money. From now on, I decree that every criminal should be dressed as what they are doing. Giant hypodermic needles standing on street corners. Uh, Pimps and prostitutes. They just look normal. They just look like normal pimps and prostitutes. You're driving through a desolate area of town. You see a man dressed as a hatchet hiding in the bushes. So is Garbage Man actually a sentient spirit or is he just a trendsetter? We won't know until he strikes again. I'm telling the story as I'm looking at two bags of garbage I gotta take out to my garbage. But one thing we gotta do first. This episode may run long. I don't care. Rage Cat, fire up that carpenter copter. We are leaving behind Florida. We are headed out to San Francisco. 
It's the year 1971. We are walking down the streets of San Francisco. We're having a ball. We're dressed up in bell bottoms, medallions. This is totally dope. Speaking of dope, there's a giant hypodermic needle man standing on the corner there. But we're not there to buy drugs. We are there to watch a movie. The movie called The Zodiac. Now, all this information actually got from an article written by Jake Rawson. He wrote this for mentalfloss.com. So, really appreciate it, Jake. We walk in the movie theater, we see all the candy. We see old 1970s gross candy like dots and candy corn. I don't know why they have candy corn in a movie theater, but it's gross anyways. And then we see an unusually large podium. Like a lectern. Like we're expecting Billy Graham to show up and start giving a speech. I've never been to a movie theater in 1971. Maybe this is normal. What's not normal is the Kawasaki motorcycle. The guy standing behind the lectern goes, Hey, you guys want to enter the drawing for this Kawasaki motorcycle? Just write down your name, address, phone number. We're going to put it into this giant, (laughs) this massive lectern. Looks like it can hold a person, doesn't it? And we look at each other. We're like, yeah, I guess it's big enough to hold a person. He goes, well, it doesn't. There's no one hidden in this podium. Why would you even think that? And we're like, <laughs> you kind of brought it up. It's also weird that now we hear the sound of someone eating dots in there, arr, arr, getting stuck in his teeth. But whatever, we don't care about personal privacy. We fill out all of our information. <laughs> I'm filling out extra information for you. We drop it into the podium, and then we go in to see the movie The Zodiac. Now, this movie came out in 1971. I guess I should spoil something right now. We, to this day, still really don't know who The Zodiac Killer is. There's been suggestions that it was this dude or that dude or whatever. This whole plot, I just realized, I just realized there's something wrong with this segment. Or at least the way I'm presenting it. I think it's a fascinating story. But this whole plot is, they're trying to catch the Zodiac Killer. But we know for a fact the Zodiac Killer was never caught. So I'm, I'm trying to figure some stuff out in my head on how to... <laughs> you're like, what? He was never caught! Click off the episode. I'm trying to figure out a way to continue the rest of the story. I do have to say this, though. I think the Zodiac Killer is one of the lamest of all the serial killers. The only thing the Zodiac has going for him is the fact that he has that gimp suit, which is what it is. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I'll say this too, I have a personal beef with the Zodiac Killer. He ruined one of my Halloweens. I was probably like nine or ten years old. So it was like 1985, 1986. I was living in the Bay Area. My dad was going to seminary at the time. So it was in Marin County. This is when I went to Strawberry Point Middle School. This is when I was involved in the gate program. And I made that weird sculpture. That episode was a while back. Check that one out. The Dragon is what that one was called. I'll put it in the show notes. But I was going, I was in the areas of Marin County. And I didn't know who the hell the Zodiac Killer was. I was nine, right? And he had done all of his kills back in the 60s. So even by the time they were making this movie, he he had stopped killing people, actively killing people. But um, Zodiac Killer, and let me say this too, if you don't know, Zodiac Killer was this quote-unquote famous serial killer who he, he killed like six or seven people, I'm not entirely for sure, and he would leave these cryptic messages in the newspapers. This little symbol, and he's like, I leave this code, and it's like, I'm the Zodiac Killer, and I'm going to kill again. And I, you know, I'm such a bad, bad, I'm such a bad boy, catch me, cops. It's just all that cringe, edgelord nonsense. That you would laugh at today if someone posted it online. But he was posting it in, in this paper and they were publishing it. And everyone's like, oh, who's this total badass Zodiac killer? 
he'd point a gun at you, he would make you, like, restrain, he'd make the guy restrain the girl, and then he would restrain the guy, or whatever order, they'd both end up being restrained, then he would stab them to death. Come on, I mean, like, to me, see, I, I don't have a huge opinion of serial killers to begin with, but that's pretty lame. He wasn't enough of a fighter, he wasn't enough of a scrapper to actually try to go at two people with a knife, he was a big punk, so he had to tie him up and then stab him and whatever, and then, he, he, you know, he'd get an erection, because these guys, their dicks don't work unless they're committing violence, that's one of the reasons, if, you're, if your penis doesn't work, or if you don't have one, I don't care, <laughs> that's totally fine. My thing with serial killers is they are almost always a sexual dysfunction. But yet society's like, oh, dude, this guy, he's a hunter of man, and he left these cryptic notes. He couldn't get it up, and so he killed people. I don't have a high opinion of serial killers to begin with. I definitely don't have a high opinion of serial killers who have to wear gimp suits because they look so nebbish. Like, if you saw Ted Bundy coming out of the woods after you, he looks like a serial killer. He's like this tall, handsome guy, and you would think, that guy's probably going to kill one because he's running out of the bush with a knife. But you're thinking, I might not be able to take that guy in a fight. Now, again, he attacked co-eds in their sleep or people trying to help him put a bicycle on his car. Like, he was just a gross loser. But at least with Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer, that dude had the lame. That dude was tall, right? So if you were, like, boxing with that dude, he's got a little bit of reach on you. But again, he was drugging men. He wasn't going toe-to-toe with these dudes. None of these serial killers are leading them into the octagon and goes, Ugh. Only one of us is going to leave here alive because they would lose every single time. The Zodiac Killer was such a dork that he had to hide his face behind a mask. Now, he looks like someone that Seymour Krellborn would push down the stairs. He looks like a big old nerd. I'm not saying you should pick on people just because of what they look like. But if they are also serial killers and they look like dorks, it's fair game. Right? He's not He's not like, oh, I feel the need to kill. I'm going to go join the Liberation Army of the Congo and fulfill my needs. Because he'd get blown away. So he's just shooting people who are defenseless. But I have a personal beef, if you can't tell. If you can't tell, I have a personal beef with Zodiac Killer. Because when I was like 9 years old or something like that, 9 or 10 years old, Halloween was canceled because of this jerk. Didn't you say his reign... His murders ended back in the 60s. Well, they did, but because they never caught him, people are always afraid. We were getting ready for Halloween. I was probably dressed up as Yoda or something like that. And it was just a normal Tuesday. It was June. I was dressed up as Yoda. Halloween was coming. Everyone was getting ready to go out and get our food. And the newspaper got a letter from the Zodiac. They got a coded message from the Zodiac saying that they were going to drive around shooting kids on Halloween. Now, it didn't happen. Turns out to be a hoax. But I didn't get to go trick-or-treating that year. I think this it wasn't like a city-wide canceling trick-or-treating. Everyone was just like, be a little cautious. There might be a serial killer out to kill your kids. So, parents weren't letting their kids go out. People who normally did give out candy were giving out less. It was truly a drought. And as I stood there on that moonless night holding half a bag of Snickers instead of the full bag I normally would have. I raised my hand up into the sky and said, damn you, Zodiac Killer! Probably wasn't him. Probably was just someone having a laugh. But anyways, I never liked the serial... I never I never liked that serial killer. After that, people are like, dude, you know that like people actually lost loved ones. That's horrible. Sure, but nine-year-old Jason lost Snickers. 
because someone wanted to pretend to be the Zodiac Killer. Let me get to this story. <laughs> get to this actual story. It's actually not super long now that I'm thinking about it and now that I kind of gave it away. But what it is, is that Tom Hansen, he was a fast food chain franchisee guy. He had all these fast food restaurants. But things weren't going well business-wise. And he was thinking about cashing out and moving back home. He lived in the Midwest. At this point, he's in San Francisco. And he goes, you know what? I've always wanted to be a movie director, producer. He had done bit parts in movies in the area. And he figures out, it's interesting because this is both like being a vigilante and having a gimmick for your film. He comes up with this idea. I'm going to make a movie about the Zodiac because the Zodiac Killer was a publicity hound. In one of his coded letters where he's like, you will find the eighth body near the 10th reservoir if you look at some, he's like, I wonder who will play me in a movie. So, I mean, you know, again, he was just a dork. If TMZ was around back then, he would be walking down the street in a Zodiac suit, leaving San Francisco airport. And they're like, hey, Zodiac, Zodiac, or is it true you're dating Jennifer Aniston? He's like, get out of my way. Yes, it's true. Also, will you tie yourselves up? They're like, no. And he's like, ah. He was a publicity hound. He was super vain. So Tom Hansen comes up with this idea. He goes, maybe I'll make a movie about the Zodiac Killer. Have it premiere in San Francisco. The Zodiac Killer is going to show up. I got two ways to catch him. One, we all know serial killers love Kawasaki motorcycles, right? So they can chase their victims down. So he got a Kawasaki motorcycle and he said, we're going to have people fill out these cards. We're going to put them in the podium. And inside the podium, don't tell anyone this, inside the podium there was a man. There was a man inside this lectern with a flashlight. Every time a card was dropped in there, he would match it against known samples of the Zodiac's handwriting. The address is written down as a a bunch of glyphs. He's like, hmm, these look familiar. I'll put this in the maybe pile. That's not good enough, right? Who knows? Maybe Zodiac already has a Kawasaki motorcycle. Maybe he's a Harley man. So he had people posted all around the theater, and they had to study a picture of the Zodiacs. There's just a guy walks in with a giant mask on. Because they did have a sketch of what he looked like underneath the mask. So everyone had to steady the sketch, and they go, just keep scanning the crowd. See if you recognize this guy. And then they had a guy in a walk-in freezer for some reason. I read the article multiple times. I'm going to make heads or tails of that. <laughs> they just tricked him into going in there. Apparently there was a guy in a walk-in freezer, and there was a light in the walk-in freezer. Now the guy in the lectern, if he caught a signature that was correct, he would hit a button, and then the light would come on in the walk-in freezer... And then the guy would come out of the freezer and just go, surprise! Like, I don't know. Okay, you know that there's a signature match, but the guy who walks out of the freezer isn't going to know who that is. He just walks out. He's super cold. He's, like, throwing popsicles in every single direction. How did that help anyone? That actually ended up foiling part of their plan because the guy in the walk-in freezer one night, this went on for multiple nights. The movie premiered for about a week. The guy in the freezer <laughs> runs out of oxygen, starts to pass out, He's somehow able to signal he's running out of oxygen. It's a poorly thought out plan. So other people, um, other people in on this plan had to go and rescue him, including the guy inside the podium jumped out and ran. <laughs> That'd be shocking. You're buying your candy and you see a full-size man jump out of a lectern going, oh, I'll save you and run off into the freezer. You're like, what? <laughs> that was more entertaining than anything going on in the movie. When everything settles down and the guy gets back into the lectern, he finds a card that says, I am the Zodiac. I was here. Later on, like, investigators, like, private investigators, I don't know if this ever got turned over to the police, but people who looked into the case 
said that wasn't a match for his handwriting. I find it odd that that card was deposited during this whole craziness. So was someone actually watching this and, and figured out the ruse and put it in there as a joke? Who knows? Or was the real Zodiac Killer there? Who knows? But that's not the end of the story because Tom Hansen believes that the real Zodiac Killer did show up. Because Tom Hansen, you know, he goes, I worked at a lot of fast food restaurants. I owned them. I'd been working at them for a while. I'd been robbed a lot, and I learned how to steady people's faces. I knew exactly what the Zodiac Killer looked like. One day in the movie theater, the movie's playing, I go to use the restroom, and I go into the men's restroom, and I'm peeing, and a guy walks up to the urinal next to me, and is peeing as well, and he says, that's not what blood looks like. That's not what it looks like when you stab somebody. Tom Hansen, his pee runs cold. It freezes. It's all slow motion. And he turns and he looks at the man at the urinal next to him. It is the Zodiac Killer. He goes, that was the guy. That was 100% the guy. I know what he looks like. I've seen many sketches in my life. He looked like that video from AHA. He was all animated. So he actually convinces this guy, hey, yeah, you know, yeah, blood looks like that too. Hey, you mind if uh, we go and talk in my office? And the guy does. The story does get weird here because you would think an innocent person would be like, uh, let me finish peeing, and then no. I don't want to go in an office with someone I just met in a bathroom. But this man says, yeah, sure, I'll go in the office with you. So as they're going into the office, Tom starts giving the signal to his other conspirators who are there to help catch this guy. Now, the movie's still playing. Everyone's having a good old time. The movie about the serial killer, they're like, ha, 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 they're laughing. You can watch this movie. It's actually, a, I don't know if it's available on Amazon, but you can watch it. It'll be in the show notes as well. I don't know if it's laugh right or not. I do know there's some interesting twists and turns. It's actually fairly well-reviewed for a, like a grindhouse movie. But They all walk into Tom Hansen's office. And Tom Hansen's sitting there. He's talking to this guy. And he said the guy seemed extremely relaxed. Wasn't nervous at all that he was in this room full of a bunch of people who were there to catch a serial killer. Now, he didn't know that, obviously. He just thought Tom Hansen liked throwing parties in his office. But he said, he goes, it was interesting because of this guy, I was trying to be combative. I actually said to him, because we were talking about the Zodiac Killer, we were at the movie theater, I had said that I was the producer of the movie. Tom Hansen said, I had said, the reason why I made the movie is that one of my relatives was a victim of the Zodiac Killer. So I have a personal stake in this. And the man didn't even react to that. He didn't get nervous, but he also didn't show sorrow. Be like, oh, sorry, bro. It's just kind of... No reaction at all. He also noticed it was weird because the man started winning over the room almost instantly. He said that he had served in the military. There are other people in that room who'd served in the military, and they're kind of bonding over a military experience. And Tom Hansen thought it was weird. He was basically working the room. He was turning the temperature down. This stranger among all these people who were there to catch someone who looked just like this guy. Now, Tom Hansen didn't really have anything to hold him, and this was a flaw to the plan to begin with. Even if you caught the guy, what could you really do? You could call the police and he'd be like, uh, okay, I'm just going to walk I'm just going to walk out the door cuz you can't prove I'm the Zodiac killer. You definitely can't hold me captive. That's kidnapping. So he just kind of left at a certain point. Uh, they're talking. He's like, "Okay, I'm just going to leave now." And Tom Hansen is sure this is the Zodiac killer. He kind of walks out of the office. And that was totally his right. Tom Hansen doesn't, uh, the movie, is, it, it's not a flop, but, well, one, it didn't catch the Zodiac Killer, so, I mean, I guess it could be considered a failure, but it also didn't catch on 
It didn't make a ton of money. It's more notorious now for the backstory to it. But like I said, you can now find it. You can now watch it on digital. So then he comes up with another plan. <laughs> These next couple plans were not nearly as audacious and were actually kind of messed up. Now, if this guy was the actual Zodiac Killer, then I don't care. But if he wasn't, it's kind of mean. It's kind of mean. First off, you can decide which one you think is worse. He hires private investigators. They track the man down. They get his address. And then he tells the man, hey, remember that contest you entered to win that Kawasaki motorcycle? And the guy's like, yeah? They're like, you didn't win that. Aw. But you did win another prize. Oh, right. Awesome. We're going to give you this prize. We're going to send someone to your house with this prize. He's like, okay, that's that's a weird detail. That's normally how prizes are delivered. Our suspect opens the door and there's a man holding a box. And he hands the box to the suspect. The suspect's like, oh, awesome. What I've always wanted. A box wrapped. Wrapped in some sort of thing. I don't know what's in the box yet. And then the guy goes, oh, 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 sorry. You didn't get the prize. And then he takes the box away from the dude and walks away. What? <laughs> what is that even? That's your plan? It was. This is weird. This is spooky. He takes the box. He gives the box to the suspect. Immediately takes it back. And then this guy with the box now takes it to a forensic investigator or just a guy with some baby powder and a magnifying glass. I don't know. The goal was to hand it to the dude, get his fingerprints, immediately take it back, and then match those fingerprints to known fingerprints of the Zodiac Killer. That's not a bad plan, other than the fact nobody likes getting presents taken away from them. (laughs) All right, that's kind of messed up. All right, I totally, well, I didn't win anything. That sucks. I don't know if I'd wish that on anyone other than the Zodiac Killer. But here's the weird thing. They hand him the box. He takes the box back. They take it to the lab. They check it out. No fingerprints. Now, the dude wasn't wearing gloves, right? That would be a dumb plan. He hands it to a guy with gloves. You're like, this time it'll succeed. The guy obviously wasn't wearing gloves, our suspect. Touch the box, still no fingerprints. Now, maybe you have to touch it a little bit longer. Or maybe he had his fingerprints burned off. I guess there's a huge thing. Could be anything in between there as well. But, uh, or maybe the guy just wasn't good at taking fingerprints. He didn't hold it long enough. Who knows? But there are no fingerprints on that. So he tried that. That didn't work. I think that's kind of miserable to give someone something and then take it back. But then, because Tom Hansen is not one to give up, he finds out where this guy works. Uh, works at Bank of America. And he calls up Bank of America and goes, hey, can I get the personnel file of one of your employees? And the manager goes, no, we don't know who you are. What? I'll open an account. I'll open one of your super saver accounts. And the manager's like, hmm, tell me more. But no, the manager goes, no, we will not give you access to this employee's files. And then the manager asks the question, which I think he would ask. I don't know if Tom Hansen called him up from the Kentucky Fried Chicken he was managing. You hear a chicken grilling in the background. Chickens getting chased around the kitchen. I think he had one of the private investigators call him up. But anyways, the private investigator calls up the bank, asks for this guy's personnel file. They tell him no, but what do you want it for? And they said, we think he's the Zodiac killer. So that guy got fired from his job. That guy straight up got doxxed and fired from his job and then pretty much just disappeared. Which would make sense if people were calling up your workplace and telling them you were the Zodiac killer. Most estimates are now that whoever the Zodiac Killer is, he's long dead. Some people say it was some dude's dad, like this guy's written a book saying, my dad, the Zodiac Killer. I was always a little confused. 
because my dad didn't teach me anything about the planets. He'd only talk about the constellations all the time. And before I learned my ABCs, I learned to write in runes. I was like, hmm, my dad might be a serial killer. He has extra Snickers in 1986. He got extra candy from a little boy. And then I've heard that, you know, like, he that he died back in, like, the 60s or 70s. Or he was arrested and thrown in prison for something else. There's always these interesting things. Jeffrey Dahmer, there's always been a theory that Jeffrey Dahmer may have killed that little uh, Adam Walsh. There was That was a big case when I was a little kid. I remember that was the first year I was like, oh, great. I'm not going to be able to play in where the red ferns grow anymore. There was that young boy. It's a horrible story. Adam Walsh was kidnapped from like a local strip mall. This is all off memory, so. But Adam Walsh was kidnapped from a local strip mall, and then they found his head in a swamp. Or they found his body and not his head. It was one or the other. It's grisly either way. And then you may know the name Walsh, his dad. I don't remember his dad's full name. But he was the one who started America's Most Wanted. He had started all these child protection groups after his son had died. So it was a super high-profile case, especially when I was a kid. They made that movie, Where's Adam? Like, I was six, man. I I don't think I was six when the crime actually took place. But I remember being a little kid in the 80s. And it'd be like, ABC tonight, Adam, a nation in the grip of terror. Where's Adam? I don't know. You tell me where he's at. And then they see scenes of cops walking through a swamp tonight on ABC. I was terrified, man. Some spooky stuff to see as a kid. Spooky. And I remember, though, that was when I remember that movie, Where's Adam? And I thought, oh, this isn't this isn't good. Like, obviously, it scared me and I felt bad for the kid. I also remembered, though, that there is a sea change coming as far as, like, what we could do as kids. I wasn't a dummy. I wasn't the smartest kid on the planet. But I wasn't a dummy either. Like, I could sense social changes, I think, even back then. I I knew, I was like, hmm. I don't have a lot of memories as a kid, but for some weird reason, I remember that. I remember watching, I remember watching commercials for that movie and being like, ah, this is why we can't, this is why we can't go out anymore, because ABC made a movie of the week. Horrible story. Major, it was a national crime. It was one of the first big missing kid things. One of the first big national missing kid things. And and um, now there is a theory that that was Jeffrey Dahmer who did that. Because he lived in, he was in the area at the time. But I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. I think now I'm just saying basically serial killer true crime trivia without being trivial, just kind of weird elements in it. I do want to end the episode with this, though. I think it's fascinating. We used to... I'll say it. We used to glorify serial killers. You'd be books and movies based on these people. We, how many movies about Ted Bundy? Again, super boring serial killer. I'm going to make a prediction. I think they're holding off on it because on the one hand, they say they don't want to glorify it, but I think they're just waiting for the right moment. I think we've moved past glorifying serial killers, and I think we're moving closer to glorifying mass shooters. I think we already do that. I think there's already parts of society that do do that. I think you're actually going to start seeing movies and books based on mass shooters. Now, I know you have had Columbine. You know, movies based on Columbine, like Elephant. You've had movies that are, like, slightly based on the events. I think you're going to start seeing more of that. I think the kids who grew up with that, as they start to control the mechanisms of culture... When my people were in charge, my age range was in charge, we had Transformers movies. 
you know, we had movies, G.I. Joe movies and stuff like that. We're still running the things. That's why all these Marvel movies are so huge. We're the controllers of the mechanism. Just a generation or two ago, remember, you had the Flintstones and the Adams Family movies. You had this whole, like, retro binge. And they appeal to everybody. But when the generation is in power, they go, hey, remember those times? I think we're going to get to a point where they're making live-action Ed, Ed, and Eddie movies. And a live-action Ren and Stimpy movie. And the kids who grew up with Are You Afraid of the Dark and all this stuff, they're going to want to tell more stories about these mass shooters. The people who were watching Virginia Tech, and it really affected them. By the time it was happening, when when it happened, I was older, and I go, well, that's a tragic thing. It didn't affect my psyche. Uh, Columbine did slightly, because my younger brother was in high school at the time, and it was just this bizarre thing. But I've never had a massive fascination with Columbine itself. But I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to start seeing more movies, more books, and everything like that. I think there's less of a mystique because they get caught right away. They usually die right away. But for some people, that adds to the mystique. So we'll see. We'll see if culture starts to move away from these Netflix movies where Zac Efron is playing Ted Bundy, and we start to see movies with Keenan and Kel shooting up a nightclub or something like that. Like, I think, I know that's a flippant joke, but it's actually not a joke. I think we're moving in that direction. I think we'll see that. My thing I'm curious about is we've moved past serial killers for the most part. They're kind of lame. Now we're going to be, I believe we're moving into an era of the mass shooters being celebrated. Dorner, that guy. Um, you got a whole bunch of them. You got a whole bunch of hits you can unfortunately choose from. I wonder what the net, let's prognosticate 50 years in the future. What's the next big crime that's going to capture the imagination of humans? What's next? What else is coming down the pipe? Because in the 1910s, you never would have thought you would have a bunch of serial killers running around from the 60s to the 80s and to the early 90s. You don't have many nowadays. And when you were in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you would never think, even though schools were getting shot up all the time in poor neighborhoods, in black neighborhoods, school shootings were quite common. You would have never thought in the 80s that schools would be war zones and colleges and nightclubs and things like that would get shot up. So now we're here today. What is going to be the next big crime wave that's just going to shock the nation that's going to keep happening over and over and over again? Who knows? All we can guarantee is that someone will make a movie about it. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Deadrabbit Radio.